So the church mission statement says, We exist to magnify Jesus Christ by proclaiming and displaying His redeeming grace to each other and to our local and surrounding communities. Through Christ's sacrifice, His mercy has triumphed over judgment, and we live to savor and spread this truth. So far, we have gotten through, we exist to magnify Jesus Christ by proclaiming. Today, we will talk about and displaying. Um, in this life, how many people do you trust simply because of the words they say? You know, usually the people that we trust the most are people who are also faithful, honest, uh, reliable people because of the way that they are living their life. Those are the people that we find to be easier to trust. We are far more willing to follow somebody who has shown us self-sacrificial humility <clears throat> than somebody who just has some good words to say. It's far easier to follow that first person than the latter. So, I, I've been to many different churches been a member of different churches through my childhood, college, um, out of, you know, early out of college, up until now. I've been a member of many different churches, um, and I am yet to find a church that does this, does both proclaiming and displaying well. Usually you find a church who's really good at doing the hands-on stuff, but they're really not so good at the proclaiming. Or you'll find a church that's really good at proclaiming the gospel and proclaiming the truth, but they're relatively non-existent as far as their community is concerned. So, one of the things that I'd like to see this church become in the coming years is somebody is a body of believers that does both well. We're, we're fervent about the gospel, about the message of truth in God's word, and we are loving, compassionate, um, honest, hard-working people in our communities so that the, the message and the way we live amongst each other and amongst our community mesh into one personality, um, if that makes sense. So last week we talked about we need to be faithful to the truth. We need to proclaim it because people aren't going to know unless we tell them. But we can't dismiss the displaying part because if we can tell them anything we want, if they don't really trust us, or find us to be people who have anything worth saying, uh, what we say isn't going to break into their, um, their heart, into their soul. Obviously, that's the work of the Spirit, but um, God uses these interpersonal relationships to bring transformation in people's lives. Um, so today we're going to be talking about displaying. We need to be a church that puts Christ on display in the way we physically interact with each other and with our communities. Okay, 1 John 3.18. Who wants to read that for us? Let's go to 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Okay. And then in verse 19, he goes on to say, And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. This, meaning what you just read. Don't just love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth. Okay? It has to actually impact how you are among the people. Who you are in your life. That's what assures us 
I mean, the, I mean, First John, if you read through First John, you can see clearly his purpose of this is assurance, not through a works-based gospel, but assured that you're of the, of the truth because of the way you live your life. We should be able to find that to be an assurance to us. We are living like Christ because we've already received him and he's transforming us. So if we are looking transformed, that can assure us that God is truly among us. Um, that's kind of that's the big message of the book of First John. You can look at that on your own in your own time and do your own personal study through that. And maybe we'll get to that one day. But he says it very succinctly in this situ- in this passage. Look to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, starting in verse seventeen. I'm going to read this passage. We're going to read several verses here. A little story. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the part of the and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went upon the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now just to stop there, is that why he came? So that Jesus would forgive his sins? Is that why the man came? The man came to be healed. But Jesus is using this as an opportunity to teach. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their, perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. In this passage, we read a story about Jesus doing two things. Forgiving sins, and healing a man. The Pharisees were angry. How dare you say that you could forgive this man's sins? You don't have the right to do that. Only God gets to forgive sins. What, do you equate yourself with God? And then Jesus makes the point here saying, it's easy to just say your sins are forgiven. You know, any of us in here, or anybody out there in the community we talk to, you ask them, are your sins forgiven? Yeah, my sins are forgiven. Who knows if they even believe the gospel? It's easy to say your sins are forgiven. Speaking something. You can say whatever you want. That doesn't mean the power of God is there. But Jesus is saying, which is easier? To say forgive, your sins are forgiven or to actually heal a man with a disability? An obvious, clear disability. This man was paralytic. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move his body. Jesus wasn't a doctor. He didn't have his medical bag. But in order to follow up this claim of truth, your sins are forgiven, Jesus is saying, So that you can see that the power of God is among you, man, get up and walk and show everybody that the power of God is here in what I'm doing here. And that's exactly what happened. 
See, Jesus knew that in order for him to be considered reliable, the people needed to see that the power of God was with him. He can say whatever he wants. Anybody can say whatever they want. But Jesus rose a man from a paralytic state, showing everybody the power of God is here. And I make this point to, show, to, to say, the community needs to see the power of God is here. We can't just talk about it. They need to see that the love of Christ dwells among us through how we interact with each other. The community needs to see that we love the community and we actually want to take care of our community and lead the people to Jesus. But how are they going to respect that? Well, by the life that we live among them in love. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay? So you have obedience and belief working together. Obedience is the confirmation that you believe. It's not what gives you salvation, but it's a confirmation that what you say you believe is sincere, is that you follow it up with obedience. And it's the same with anything. If you want to be trustworthy, you want to be sincere, you've got to follow that up. You've got to actually put that on display. Somebody read James 2.14. John 3.36. And James 2.14. Now that sounds a little blasphemous at first, at, at first intake. Can faith save you? Well, yeah, you're supposed to be saved by faith. Well, you have to understand what James is talking about. Faith alone is dead if it's not followed up. Okay, Because faith will always produce life. Faith, God brings you to life through faith, and that life will actually live. Okay? We're not supposed to walk around brain, we're not supposed to just lay there as a brain dead Christian on life support. No, the life that God has given us to live by raising us from the dead in the Spirit lives. So James is also kind of similar to 1 John in the sense that his point is you can't just say that you're a believer, you actually have to live like it. It's impossible to just talk about it, you have to go and live it. If you're sincere. First Peter four eleven. Someone read that. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be. Glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom he prays and 
Okay, so in verse 10, he's talking about if you have a gift, you need to use it for the good of each other. And, this, and in this verse, okay, so if, you're, if your gift includes speaking, okay, speak what God has given you to speak. If, you, if your particular administration of, of giftedness by the Spirit is more associated with your abilities, well, do so, so that God may be on display, glorified. Glorified, when you see the word glorified here, think putting God on display. So that, they can, so that God is seen, so that God has made a big deal. Not you, not what you're doing, but what we're doing is for the purpose of exalting Jesus Christ, putting Him on display in both word and deed. We're not trying to put our church on display. Okay, that can be a temptation, especially when we're trying to build. Our church is not what is to be put on display. Our ministries are not what we put on display. Ourselves are not what we put on display. Our ways, no, Jesus Christ is put on display. And that, is, that happens through both word and deed. Not just word, not just deed, word and deed. They both have to be there. <clears throat> John thirteen thirty five. somebody read that. How does anybody know that we're a disciple of Christ? That we love each other. Now that's not just in word. Because you can say, I love you, but not actually show it. How, what good is it if we say, we love, yeah, we love each other, but we're always arguing and bickering and, and against each other and at each other's throats and just disunified. What proof is there that we love each other? Because we're not acting like it. You know, isn't that what we tell our kids when they're fighting? Act, at least act like you love each other. <laughs> we know our kids love each other. I mean, it's kind of natural for childhood for there to be some love for each other. But sometimes we have a hard time showing it. So if that love is there, it needs to be seen. Okay, you need to show it. How did Jesus love us? Did he just say, for God so loved the world... Come to me. And he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Okay? He crucified himself in love as a display of God's love. Self-sacrifice. And that is the number one way that we display love. Self-sacrifice. Because true love is not put on display when you're, you benefit from your action too. True love is on display when you have no benefit from what you're doing. Only the person you're doing it for. That's what true love looks like. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no man than this. Okay? So we self-sacrifice. Because that is the display of love. Self-sacrifice. Because if you're benefiting from it, well, you could just as assuredly be doing it for yourself too. Pure love is self-sacrifice. You receive no benefit. And then Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all, Jesus said. God is light. What is light? 
Does light receive anything? No. Light is, by very nature of what light is, it is the expression. The expression. And it says, we are the light of the world. We are the expression of Christ to the world. Something that is seen, portrayed, not so that you could be seen, but so that God may be glorified. So that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. heaven. Okay? But first, you are light. A lot of us live our lives like we're a big black hole. Okay? We give nothing. We just constantly take, but yet we're never satisfied. We're never full. We are supposed to be like the sun. Constantly giving. Never receiving but always full of energy. We are sons, not like sons and daughters, but we emit, we give, being empowered by the Holy Spirit that's within us. Now, we do need to love each other, okay? We fuel each other. I mean, the, the Solomon talks about how, you know, there's greater energy when you have more fuel next to each other. <laughs> You have more fuel. We're supposed, to be, we're supposed to fuel each other and provide greater light, greater heat, greater warmth for those who are here when we work together. But for the sake of emitting, putting on display Jesus Christ. And we do that in word, but in deed. In word and in deed. Putting him on display. Okay, you have to have both. Because if you do all the good works, but they don't ever know the Jesus who's empowering you, well, then how are they supposed to come to the gospel? So you need the proclamation. But if you proclaim all of this, what reason do these people have to trust you or believe what you're saying if your life is a pit? If you're no different than them. If you're just critical and argumentative and angry, why would they want you? Why would they want what you have? You're just as miserable as anybody else out there. No, but when you're emitting the love of God as the light that we are, well, now that puts him on display, and that's something that, hey, wait, that's a treasure worth selling everything in order to go and obtain. And that's what we put on display with the way we operate amongst ourselves and operate out in the community and in the world. Any questions, any comments anybody wants to make? All right. We can be yeah. guaranteed that the world is watching. Yeah. Especially when we profess to be Christians. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find out things. Right. Right. And those of you who have worked with people or gone and helped people, you know that they're, they'll open up to you, you know, if you're among them and you're helping them and you're doing something with them or for them. It's, you know, when they're there and you're there and you're, you're loving on them, it's amazing what people will tell you, even if it's the first time you just met them. <laughs> people are starving to be loved because there's just not a whole lot of it out there, is there? People are starving to be loved and seen and known. 
People want to be known. Yeah, we're selfish, okay? We all have to start somewhere. <laughs> we're all selfish by nature. But those people out there in our communities, they're just longing for somebody to care and to see them and to notice them and to love them. And if they get a whiff of that from you, they will open up to you. <laughs> they will open up. Most of you have probably been in a situation like that where it's like, I just met you. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> you know? Because people respond well to love. They don't always respond well to you just saying something. But if you're loving them, they will respond well to you. And that provides the highway to which they can come to Christ. Anything else you'd like to bring up, mention?